0: are you glad to be in God's house this morning say amen. amen Oh, fantastic If you have your Bibles turn with us to the book of Titus the book of Titus chapter number one the book of Titus chapter number one we are looking through the book of Titus and we are examining uh, God's blueprint for the church and last week we looked at the first four verses and in those first four verses we were able to see Uh, the characteristics of a believer, Paul's credentials that he laid out. However, beginning in verse number five, Paul somewhat changes his direction from that of giving his own credentials. And for Titus, he lays out the qualifications for a pastor. And so this morning I want to look at what it is to be the qualifications of a pastor and what it is expected of a pastor. You say, preacher, this is an odd sermon this morning. You're preaching to us and you are the pastor. However, I do believe that it is important that we understand what God's expectations are of a preacher, of a shepherd an elder. And so we want to look at that this morning. In Titus chapter one, begin reading in verse number five. If you're able, stand with us for just a moment for the reading of God's word Titus chapter one beginning in verse number five it says for this reason I left you in Crete that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you if a man is blameless the husband of one wife having faithful children not accused of dissipation or insubordination for a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God not self-willed not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you in prayer And God, we ask that for these next few minutes, Lord, may you speak to our hearts in a great and mighty way. Lord, may you cause, Lord, the pulpits of America all across our nation, Lord, to in repentance turn back to you, that you may be honored and glorified, and God, that you may once again reign supreme, Lord, across our land. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and in Jesus' name we ask these things, amen you may be seated. Here in Titus Paul having dealt with uh, his own credentials what made him an authority he turns his uh, attention from himself towards Titus and here he lays out the expectations and the qualifications necessary for that of a pastor. In the day and age which we live, the idea of a pastor has been depredated by the world and by false shepherds. The term pastor itself is first mentioned in the book of Jeremiah chapter two in verse number eight where the Bible says, the priest did not say, where is the Lord? And those who handled the law did not know me. The rulers also transgressed against me and the prophets prophesied by Baal and they walked after things that do not profit. These prophets, they talked, and the preachers, they turned against God. Here the children of Israel are rebuked, but especially the pastors because they have not fulfilled their duties. And therefore the very first and primary duty of any pastor is that he would live pleasing to God. In Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse number 21, the Bible says, For the shepherds have become dull-hearted and have not sought the Lord. Therefore they shall not prosper, and all their flocks shall be scattered. This is pastor, it is the same word here, translated as shepherd. The shepherds are those who have turned their hearts away from God and have sought only themselves. And the Bible says, because of that, they shall not prosper. The issue facing America, and I hold no punches this morning, we are in dark days here in America. Our nation has turned its back upon God, and as a result, what we see is merely the consequences of our uh, neglect and our turning our backs on God. However, I will say that the issues facing our nation were birthed within the pulpits of America. The pulpits are where the problems have started because men have turned from trying to please uh, God and Him alone and have instead turned to build themselves up and to have a kingdom that is for themselves. That's the real problem is that too many men of God or men who claim to be servants of God, pastors are more concerned with building their own kingdom rather than the kingdom of God and have forsaken that kingdom of God. They have lifted their name up above the name of God and have promoted their ministry instead of the church which Christ loved and gave himself for. We are living in a day and an hour and a time where the pastors of our nation most or many of them are concerned and consumed with themselves yet as a pastor I can tell you that there is no question no no doubt about it that God has not built me to build up my own kingdom but rather to edify and build up the kingdom of God he is our priority and he must be our priority furthermore we can see that they are many pastors are self-promoters who will cover sin in the name of righteousness they will cover sin and that's why we have been plagued with an issue of those who would cover up sin and make light of sexual perversions and immorality so that they may not hurt the good name of the preacher. I want you to know that we are called to be men of character and integrity and we'll look in just a moment what the Bible says about the call and the, uh, the requirements of a pastor. It is not about building my testimony or my good name, it is all about the name of Jesus. As the choir sang a minute ago about Jesus, he must be the heartbeat and the message of every pulpit in our nation. If America is to turn to God if our nation is to be brought back to repentance then the pulpits of our land must once again return to preaching the message of Jesus Christ and him alone we are to preach the full counsel of God from Genesis to Revelations there's no passage of Scripture that we are to avoid or to uh, deny or to uh, try to cover over or gloss over we are to preach the full counsel of God yet men are selling the gospel for a prophet and by do so and they have taken the name of God in vain they are preaching Jesus Christ but are promoting themselves they are proclaiming Jesus out of one tongue and with the other tongue they are proclaiming their own sales and their own ministries their own identity and they are taking the name of God in vain and using it for their own vain glory I say once again that the problems facing our nation did not begin in the White House, they did not begin in the schoolhouse, they began in the church house, in the pulpit, when men of God sold out for popularity. TikTok famous, that's what preachers want. They want to sell more books. They want to promote their name. They want to see how many followers they have. And many churches are looking for a preacher that they can say, listen, we have a celebrity preacher who has a million followers on TikTok. However, God has not called us to be popular. God has called us to be bold, to boldly proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. Don't get me wrong. I'm grateful for godly music. Christian literature, godly apparel. I'm grateful for all these things yet many churches and many pastors are more concerned with making a profit than they are winning souls to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ must be our ultimate goal. The gospel cannot be a side hustle that we use to self-promote. The gospel must be our our ends, our be-all. It is all about the Jesus and his gospel especially for the pastor who has the call of God upon his life. I'm not against TikTok YouTube, our church is on Facebook and YouTube. I'm not against social media but it must be about the gospel and not ourselves. Looking here in Titus I want to look at three things that we can see here that Paul speaks of with Titus that three areas that he addresses first off is the call in verse number five it says for this reason I left you in Crete that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you we have been called As a pastor, we are called for a purpose. Now, y'all bear with me for just a minute this morning. If you don't mind, I'm going to preach to myself, and I hope that in so doing, you might find some things applicable that you can apply to your own lives. We are called to, for a purpose, and that purpose is to represent the Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29, I've read it before, and I'll read it again. The Bible says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose why for whom he foreknow he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. I as a pastor and you as a believer, a follower of God, we all have a call upon our life and the call is this, that we might represent Jesus Christ through our lives. That when our neighbors, our children, our grandchildren, our friends, our coworkers, when they look at our life, they might see Jesus Christ. our goal is not to be problem-free our goal is not to have a life of luxury Our life is not to have a life of ease without pain or without hardship or without hurting. Our goal and our purpose, our call upon our life is simply this, that Jesus Christ would be glorified and that he might be represented by our life, that when this world looks upon you and I, that they would see him. Not me, not you, that they would see Jesus Christ. That is our call. That is my call ultimately as a pastor. There are duties of a pastor and we'll look at that momentarily and we have duties and responsibilities but the primary call upon my life as a pastor is simply that Jesus Christ might be glorified and magnified through my life. Second of all I'm called to be his mouthpiece here's where we've gone astray in our pulpits around america and around the world is that there are many men of God or who claim to men of God who are self-promoting preaching a message that is appeasing to the flesh so that they might build their kingdom but I am not called to preach a simplified a pleasing uh, to the flesh type of message rather I am called to be the mouthpiece of a holy righteous God now listen don't get me wrong this morning I don't want to offend anyone That is not my desire. I never want to offend anybody. Matter of fact, I have a personality that if I'm not careful, it's easy to be a people pleaser. I want everybody to like me. I want people to say, wow, Randy, he's a nice man. But I want you to know what? My calling is not to be nice. My calling is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to the lost and dying world, to those who are living contrary to the word of God. His truth sometimes, it is offensive and it's hurting I promise you I give you my word that I will never intentionally try to hurt anyone yet sometimes the Word of God is convicting and so it should be preachers don't our pulpits we have turned from churches to country clubs where we want everybody to just like us and be happy. But we are not called to be happy. We are called to be holy. And there is a vast difference. We are called to represent Jesus Christ through our life. But as a pastor, it is my call to be a mouthpiece for God, to proclaim His word. And that's where America is going astray. we have proclaimed everything but the truth we've cowered down afraid that the world would turn against us and I want you to know this that when you stand as a Christian and you proclaim truth even if you do so in love this world will say its hate you can love with all your heart and proclaim truth for the good of those that would hear it yet to this world the gospel is hateful they'll be offended by it although to offend someone is not the goal we must be bold in our presentation of the gospel and say regardless I will stand true and faithful to what God has said in his word I will stand upon the firm foundation of God's word and proclaim it unashamedly I'm not ashamed of anything written in the word of God I can Proudly and boldly proclaim it because it is truth. We're called for a purpose, but also we're we have a duty. He says, "For this reason, I left you in Crete that you should set in order the things that are lacking." And the point, elders, we're part of our duties are to preach the gospel. We are to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ that is evident all throughout the gospel. The Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Our duty is to preach. But second of all, our duties are to equip the saints. He said, set in order the things that are lacking, appoint elders in every city. Equip the saints to do the word of God, to do the work of God, to the ministry. And that's the duties of a pastor preach the gospel, equip the saints. I, we began our uh, new members or potential new members class this morning. And if you're here and you didn't be a part of that and you would like to be a part, you would like to know more what it means to be a member of North Etowah Baptist Church, I encourage you to sign up, be a part of this class. It's four week long and... and um, I encourage you to come be a part of it. This is a way for you to come and be a part, join North Etowah and be a part of our church. And I thank the Lord for those that were there this morning. But I mentioned we were talking to them that ultimately our duty is to equip you to do what God's already called you to do. We've got a lot of ministries here at the church, and although we have we have tons of needs, and if you ask me, I can I can point you in a hundred different directions where you can serve. But ultimately, what has God called you to do? Let us know, and then we want to help equip you to do what God's called you to do. That's our call, to appoint elders, workers. That's what God called them to do. That was the call, but then this morning I want to look for just a couple moments, and if you'll bear with me, I want to look at uh, the required testimony that is here. I find it interesting this morning to examine... uh, uh, The psyche of those who will try to look at the qualifications of a pastor found in Timothy and Titus. And uh, I won't get into the argument or discussion this morning. But often when we look at the qualifications of a pastor, we like to find one particular thing. And you probably know what I'm talking about. And we think that's the only qualification of a pastor. Yeah, when we read the scripture, we find that uh, there are many qualifications that are mentioned that are required. And... um, I wonder if we're going to be faithful and hold to one, then we must be faithful and hold to all. I believe that is what God would have of us. I'm sure you've probably heard that the argument about the husband of one wife, and for whatever you believe on that, the Bible also says that the qualifications are that we must be patient and given to hospitality when's the last time you ever heard of someone being disqualified for not being patient but these are biblical qualifications by only focusing on one qualification of a pastor I believe that churches have cheapened the role of a pastor we have looked to the outward appearance the clothing uh, the clothing the tangible attributes but have ignored the things that truly matter churches have looked for their celebrity pastor or uh, both old school celebrity with big church appearance and new celebrity with a huge TikTok fo- uh, following and trendy appearance. And we're looking for the next big thing, yet that is not what God has highlighted. And when we look at the scripture here, the qualifications. God does not say that a pastor is to look this way or to dress this way or to be from this background or to have this uh, 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 mentality or or personality, but God does say there are some things that must be in place for a pastor, and I believe that it is important for churches and for pastors to understand what God expects of us. In Matthew 23, verse number 23, the Bible says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you, you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law justice and mercy and faith and God saying listen you've paid attention to things that didn't matter but you have ignored the things that really matter and so I want to look at scripture just for a moment and again I want you to. I'm preaching to myself this morning and I hope that you are paying attention because I believe these are things that you too can look at and examine in your own life In verse number six, the Bible says of Titus one, if a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of uh, dissipation or insubordination, watch this, for a bishop or an elder, uh, it says must be blameless. And so we find that we must be blameless now, what does that mean to be blameless? What does it mean to have a testimony? That does not mean that we are without accusation because people can accuse anybody of anything, especially in the day and age in which we live. All it takes is an accusation to bury you. And so we, we understand that it that does not mean that you, are, that you cannot be blamed, but rather that you are uh, living a life that invites blame or that uh, does not have a life that is above reproach. The Bible says, for a bishop must be blameless, watch this, as a steward of God, not self-willed. And so we see that we must not be self-willed. Now, the first part of this scripture lists things that we are not to be. And so the first thing is we are not self-willed. I mentioned this just a minute ago momentarily, and I want to just briefly to say it again, that for a pastor, it is not for us to preach or to have our own will, but rather it is that Jesus Christ might have his will done through us and through the church. It's all about Jesus Christ. Amen. It's about Him. And so we must not be self-willed. Now the Bible says not self-willed, watch this, and not quick-tempered. And so we must we must not be uh, quick to lose our temper. And so it is important that as a preacher, as a pastor that we are one who is very patient, that we are kind, that we are uh, willing to hold on and say listen, it's alright if I'm persecuted. It's alright if others do me wrong. I will suffer in silence that Jesus Christ might be glorified I know this is for pastors but I believe this would be good for the church to know as well I wonder how many people have looked at our lives and have not came to Christ because of our attitudes and yet our temperament should reflect that of the Lord Jesus Christ not given to wine or not being a drunkard we should a pastor obviously is not to be a drunkard and I believe that's good advice for all Christians that we live sober minded that God would uh, be glorified through our lives not violent who would want a pastor that was ornery and mean um, I wouldn't say the names this morning but I know a pastor who years ago um, boy he, he liked to fight I'm telling you, he liked to fight. Uh, uh, he tell the story, and and uh, they had a lady and and a couple in his church, and the husband was being mean to her, and 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 I think he slapped her, and. And uh, he was running his mouth to her, and the preacher said, well, "I'll be over there in just a minute," and, and said, "I'm going to talk to your husband." She said, "Okay, preacher, you come talk to him." He walked up on the porch. The man opened the door, and he cold cocked him and knocked him out, and I mean, he laid him out right there in the doorway. And the man came to, didn't know the preacher had done it. All he knew was his face was swollen, and the and the and the and the, and the ambulance was there. And he said, "Preacher, would you please go with me to the hospital?" So the preacher rode in the ambulance with the man he just knocked out to the hospital. And so uh, he was a preacher who didn't. I'm fighting. And so, but the Bible says that we're not to be violent. We're not to be a brawler. And so, it's uh, as a, I, I would expect that as a preacher, I am supposed to display the love of God. Amen? And the same should be, go for you. You ought to display the love of God in your life. And then it says, not greedy or not greedy for money. We ought to be careful that. We are in this for the right reason. Nothing wrong with having money. But there's, there's definitely something wrong with being full of greed and living for it. We should live that Christ be glorified. Well, thirdly we see here in verse number 8, the script changes. In verse 7, we're things that we are not to be verse number eight are the needed characteristics or the things that we need to have in our life The Bible says but hospitable we are to be hospitable or given to hospitality and I hope that um, you will find that as a pastor that I'm hospitable I can't meet everyone's needs but I sure wanna try to the best of my ability My home, the things that God has given, they're not mine, they're His. And I want to use them for His glory. We're to be hospitable. It says a lover of what is good, a lover of good. We're supposed to love goodness and righteousness. Boy, how many of you want a pastor who didn't love good? Well, that'd be a bad thing, wouldn't it? And yet that's the case. God gave this qualification for a reason. A lover of good. Then it says, watch this, sober-minded. Sober-minded. This word in, here in the Greek comes, is sophron, and it means to be in control of one's desires. To possess the ability to curtail one's desires. And so literally this word sober-minded means not an addict one who has control over his own body his own mind who is not uh, given to addictions and that can come in many forms but how can we proclaim to others the freedom that comes in Jesus Christ if we ourselves are bound by chains How can we proclaim to others the goodness of Christ that sets the captive free and breaks the strongholds if we ourselves are bound down by addictions? And although this is giving the qualifications, the requirements for a pastor, I stand firmly and say to you that this is the same thing that also should apply to your life. You too should be sober-minded. Then it says, just. We should live just we should love justice holy that we might live a life that is pleasing to god that we don't quench the holy spirit but rather that we live in accordance to the word of god then it says self-controlled the greek word here is a and it means to have power over or possessed of a thing Some translations will use this and the sober-minded, they will use both of them as self-controlled, yet there is a difference here. Sober-minded is to not be controlled by something else, but self-controlled is to control your own mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 5 says, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. It means I'm going to control myself, my mind from wandering to places that it should not go. I'm going to keep my mind from going places that it should not be. And instead, I'm going to keep my heart stayed upon Jesus Christ. It's easy to preach about it's not always easy to live is it but we should live self-controlled that we might bring our own mind and our bodies under subjection and saying Lord I will keep my heart and my mind stayed upon you That though the world tries to pull me away and tries to lead me to serve myself and to serve the flesh and to serve everything else other than what you have called me to do, God, I will keep my heart and my mind stayed upon you. And it is labor. It is not easy. But it is our duty. Verse number 9 says, Holding fast the faithful word he has been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict lastly we must be faithful to the word the word of God this is the type of man that God is looking for a man who is abstinent from sin is holding on to truth and righteousness and seeks to live right before God. This is the type of man that God is looking for. This morning I have preached to you what God's expectations are of me. But I want to close with this thought. I wonder this morning if there is someone here in our midst who would say, Pastor, I want to be that man. The truth is is that the Southern Baptist Convention will gladly tell you there are pastors resigning and retiring from the ministry all over our nation. And there's very few to replace them. Who would be that man? Who would step up and say, Lord, I believe that you have placed this call upon my life. And God, if you're calling me, Lord, I will surrender my life. God, I don't have the ability. I don't have the talents. And I want you to know this morning, I do not either. It is not me, but it is Christ through me. And that same Christ desires to live and to work through your life. The need for pastors, elders are great but the men are few. I don't promote the volunteers very often. But there sure is a lot of orange around here. Here in Tennessee, you claim to be the volunteers. Well, who would volunteer this morning? Who would step up? say Lord I'll be the one I'll be the Timothy I'll be the Titus I'll be the one that says God I will go and I will surrender my life Lord to to you to your will Lord take my life whatever it might be God I surrender the fields are wide unto harvest the harvest is plenteous but the laborers are few. Matthew 9, 38 says, therefore pray, the Lord of the harvest, send out laborers into his harvest. The Lord's looking. I've said for years, and I'll continue to say it, when I was a young man, my dad, some of y'all have met him, he's been here on a Sunday night a while back. He preached and we traveled all over America And as we would go, it was not uncommon to come into a church, much like ours this morning, and in that church there might be one, two, four, five, sometimes ten or more young preacher boys who said God had called them to preach, who were studying, applying themselves to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet now... Where are they? Do we really think that God is not calling anymore? I find that hard to believe. You say, Pastor, God doesn't call everyone. No, He doesn't. God doesn't want everyone to be a pastor. He wants some to be deacons, He wants some to be Sunday school teachers, He wants some to sing in the choir and Others to labor and work wherever the need might be. But this morning, I'm not talking, preaching to them. I'm preaching to pastors. Has God called you? Have you listened? Have you even surrendered your life so that He may call you if that be His desire? Ezekiel 22:30 says, So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it but I found no one. Some of the saddest words in the Bible but I found no one. This morning I wonder who might say pastor by the grace of God I'll be the one. Maybe it's not to pastor. Maybe it's to serve in another capacity. Ladies, maybe it's to serve in whatever area God has called you to. But God is calling. With all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my being, I believe that right now God is calling someone in our midst to serve. To say, Lord, here's my life, do with it as you would please. This morning, here's my question. Will you surrender? Will you be the one to say, I'll stand up, I'll give my life to God? How about it this morning? A missionary on the mission field had came back to the States and was sharing his ministry to a church. He shared about how God had worked and preached a message on missions. The invitation came and they took up a big offering for the missionary and people were giving money to donate to his ministry. And this young boy came forward and weeping and the altar wept and wept for some time and they were wondering what's going on with this young man. And finally, he stood up with a smile, and he said, Pastor, he said, I'm so broken. He said, I want to give, but I have nothing to give. And then almost like a light bulb went off on his face, a smile came across him, and he walked up to the front, and he got an offering plate. And he set it down on the floor and stepped up inside and said, Preacher, can I just give myself? This morning, that's what Jesus wants from you. Just to say, Lord, I give you myself. And if you'll give yourself, your money, your pocketbook, your possessions will come with it. This morning, who would surrender to Christ? Every head bowed and every eye closed. This morning, I wonder who would say, Pastor, God has been working in my heart. And Lord, I want to give my God, I I want to give my life to you. Lord, take my life however it might be. I'll be the one who will stand up and proclaim the truth regardless of what it costs me. I'll be the one that will be faithful to make a difference. This morning, if that's you, as she begins to play whenever you're ready, Sister Kay. If God has spoken to your heart right now, would you stand up? Would you come forward? The altars are open. Who this morning would come and say, God, I give my life to you? How about it? Is there one? We all should be here saying, Lord, take my life. I wonder this morning, is there one here who would say, Pastor, I'll be honest. If I were to die right now, I don't know that I'd go to heaven. Pastor, I don't know that heaven's my home, but preacher, I wanna know. I wanna embarrass you, but I'll pray for you and I'd like to talk with you about how you can know. Would you slip your hand up and say, Pastor, I I don't know that heaven's my home, but I wanna know. Would you slip your hand up so I can pray for you? Is there one? Just slip your hand up and back down. Say, Pastor, pray for me. We're going to sing in just a moment, but if God has spoken to your heart today, would you surrender your life to him?